The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Welcome. I'm Linda Sharkey, host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection, and thanks so much for joining me in this first of the year, 2016. It's uh, hard to believe we're off to uh, another year. Um, We started the year with Rich Sheridan. I'm sure you heard that show. Great discussion. Uh, Rich Sheridan is the CEO of Menlo Innovations and wrote the book Joy, Inc. And I wanted to start the year with Rich because I do think that having joy at work is so important and creating workplaces where people can live their dreams, love what they do, and leave great innovations behind for others is is really what it's all about, to be honest with you. So uh, if you haven't listened to that show, please tune in. Um, it's up on iTunes. I'm starting the year with a discussion around what are the things that we see as really critical elements for the workforce going forward. And values, in my mind, has always been something that's essential. I, frankly, have come to the point where competencies or capability to do a job is, is more or less your, your, your ticket to entry. But values are really the defining factor. And values are what makes such a huge difference. And if you listen to my shows before the end of the year, we had a great deal of discussion on this issue and the fact that it is going to be essential going forward. It's the unifying factor around the world. And when you scratch the surface and you look at all the research, you do find out that no matter where people live, they want the same things out of work. They want the same things for their families. They may manifest it in different ways, but they, we all are striving for great relationships, respect, fairness, equity, and an opportunity to live our dreams. Uh, and you'll see that everywhere in the world. So I wanted to invite, and did invite actually, Dr. Jim Ludema. And I'm so excited to have Jim, and, and, and here's why. He has a passion for values. So much so, I remember meeting him more than 10 years ago when I was uh, getting my PhD at at, uh, Benedictine University in Lyle, Illinois, which, by the way, was a phenomenal experience for me. It was a game changer, personal game changer for me, and I'm thankful for the experience. 
But Jim was just joining the faculty of uh, Benedictine University, and I remember looking at him and saying, you know, that's what I want to do in my next career. Well, I'm not a faculty member in a university, but I'm loving this next phase of my career. So Jim was an inspiration to me. But the second point of inspiration for him is, as I said, he had a passion for values and the importance of values in the workplace. And he started at Benedictine University the Center for Values-Driven Leadership, which has really taken off. I've been following it, obviously. I'm an alumnus of the school, um, alumni of the school. I'm not sure which one of those is correct, but... uh, and he's been bringing in some phenomenal thought leaders in this area, done some tremendous case studies, and now there's a PhD program in uh, values-driven leadership, which is so, so exciting. So help me in welcoming Dr. James Ludema. Jim, thanks for joining the show. Thank you, Linda. It's great to be here. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk with you today. Well, tell me... Why were you so driven to start the Center for uh, Values-Driven Leadership? I believe that business is currently the most powerful institution on the planet. It is the institution that affects the lives of more people for more time every day than any other institution And because of that, I think we really need to pay attention to what kind of communities we're creating in business and what kind of impact business is having on people and on society. And so we wanted to start a center here at Benedictine University that really looks at that, really studies and understands great leaders who make a positive impact on people, on business, and on society, and organizations that do the same thing. And that's really why we started the Center for Values-Driven Leadership, because we wanted to understand, sort of unpack the DNA of those kinds of people and those kinds of organizations, and then also create programs, master's programs, doctoral programs, executive education programs, consulting services that can help companies become those kinds of companies, companies that do business the right way and have a transformative impact on society. So do you see a lot of companies, here's what I see, Jim, and I, I just like to get your sense of this. I see a lot of companies, you know, it was uh, sexy in the um, 80s, 90s, um, you know, to have values on the walls and talk about what we believe. And, you know, I'd go into a lot of places and they'd have like 10 values and all of this stuff. But they ended up being more platitudes than than really driving the behaviors of the organization. Do you see that, and do you see that changing? No, I think that's really true what you say, Linda. Um, Just about any company has a set of values that you see up on the wall, and in many cases they're not very well lived out. Or, in fact, you'll see companies like Enron that have a great, set of values, but uh, live out the exact opposite in the marketplace. And so, you know, just having a set of values is obviously not enough, and that's not what's important. But yeah, there are hundreds, if not thousands of companies um, that do really integrate their values into day-to-day operations in a significant way. And those are exactly the kind of companies that we are studying and that we want to support and help 
uh, grow. We're currently doing a research project with a group called the Small Giants Community. And it's a bunch of highly successful entrepreneurs, you know, people who have been on the Inc. 500, 5,000 list multiple uh, years in a row that are um, creating very fast-growing companies, but they're also committed to a values-driven approach to doing business. And as a part of that study, you know, we get to go around the country and visit all of these companies like Barrel Health down in uh, Dallas, Texas, or, um, you know, the... uh, um, Integrated Project Management in Chicago, or Adconian Direct out in San Diego. And these are companies that are building their values into day-to-day operations in the way that they recruit, hire, and fire people, in the way that they train and develop people, in the way that they reward and recognize people, in the way they promote people in the stories that their CEOs tell, in the relationships that they create with suppliers and vendors, in the products that they create um, for the marketplace. For example, I mentioned Barrel Health. Barrel Health is a call center. When you call, when you think you're calling your hospital to ask for advice on a particular health issue, what you're really, your phone, uh, your call really goes to Barrel. And Barrel has people on staff who know how to give you advice and refer you to the proper departments or doctors or healthcare providers that you need. Well, Barrel's core value is compassion. And what they've discovered is that when mm. people are calling a hospital, they're nervous, they've got something wrong with them or a family member, and often they'll just get brushed off. You know, um, people are just trying to get them off the phone as quickly as possible because most call centers operate based on volume of calls. But Barrel's got a different model. It's a model based on compassion. They pay, they get paid by their, um, by the hospitals by the minute. So their folks in their call center can spend as much time as needed on the, on the phone with somebody with a health issue and tell that person is completely satisfied with the service. Well, Barrel is making money hand over fist because they give that compassion-based service in a way that no other company in the marketplace does. And so it's that core value of compassion that is really driving their business success. And you see that integrated from top to bottom in that organization, the way they treat each other, the way they treat their suppliers and vendors, uh, and so on. So, so tell me something, Jim. How does, you know, you laid out the things that leaders do, you know, the rewards and stories, but how do these leaders behave every day? You know, I think that that's, that's key, too. In studying all of these companies, what we've discovered is probably the most important factor is that the CEO needs to see him or herself as the chief culture officer. And, you know, there's a, another company up here we studied called Tasty Catering in Chicago. It's Chicago's largest caterer. Oh, uh, I know them. Caterer. Yeah. yeah. Great company. And uh, Tom Walter, who is one of the founders of the company and the CEO, um, his um, staff actually created business cards for him that say chief culture officer rather than CEO. He's CCO. Uh, and he was surprised when he first saw those. But what his staff told him is, look, we don't need you to be a CEO. We know how to run the business. We need you to create the kind of culture, the kind of people-centered, life-giving, 
culture that we want to work in and that we feel is best for uh, our company. And so I think that that is number one. You know, you ask about how uh, leaders behave. I think that the, the senior leader, uh, you know, the CEO, but then also the senior leadership team really living out those values, walking the walk as they talk the talk, that is the single most important factor. Then obviously it still has to be built into all the systems, but it's that, um, you know, that modeling by the senior leadership that is very important. Because you know how it is, Linda. Everybody is watching those senior leaders to see how they behave. Absolutely. And then um, will pattern uh, their own behavior after that. Absolutely. And I say that to leaders so many times, you know, and they don't believe it as they're ascending the ladder of leadership that people watch everything you do and they take their cues from how they're supposed to behave around here from you. So if you, you, you have to model and you have to behave in a way that's consistent with what you believe, but it's not easy to do, Jim, is it? No, it, it's not easy to do. And that's why finding leaders who um, start with what their values are and how they bring those into the workplace and into the marketplace is key when you're looking for the right people to run your organization. Another one of the big findings we found in these studies is that um, all of these companies hire as much for culture fit as they do for skill. Obviously, they want the smartest people in the room, but more important than that, they want the people who are most congruent with their corporate values and who have demonstrated that over the course of their career. Because otherwise, in the tough times, the values do get forgotten. It really has to come from within the leaders. Right. It's easy to revert back to the default position uh, of, you know, get it done, pressure, do as I say kind of thing. And and, uh, when, when times get tough, but if somebody's built the values into their DNA, they don't usually deviate from that. So I love the point that you made, higher for cultural fit than skill. And, you know, I think really if you talk to the headhunters, you will see, find out that the research says that 45% or something very close to that of senior hires into new organizations fail because of poor cultural fit. It should be the Mm -hmm. first screen that any leader looks at before they bring somebody into the organization. We're at break. Stay with us. I'm talking to Jim Ludema, Dr. Jim Ludema, uh, Director for the Center of Values Driven Leadership at Benedictine University. We're going to be talking more about how you screen for values and what you do when you have somebody who's not a cultural fit. Stay with us. making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, 
really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host, and I'm talking today with Dr. Jim Ludema of the Center for uh, Values-Driven Leadership at Benedictine University, and we're talking about the role the values are playing. And and one of the things that uh, Jim pointed out that I would like to reinforce, and we're going to talk a little bit more about, is the direct correlation with business success. But Jim was talking about uh, hiring for cultural fit more so than skill particularly at more senior levels. So how how do you do that, Jim? I mean, how do you advise people around that? Yeah, the, you know, I think that the most important thing is to ask or to look for people who want to come to your company because of their resonance with your values. And then when you bring them in, um, have them go around and meet extensively with people at every level of the organization um, so that the folks in the organization who already are a part of the culture, who already understand the values and know the values and are looking for ways to live those values out every day and integrate them into the business, can be the ones who judge whether they think the person has that fit or not. It's really about inviting a person into a community of people that share a set of values. And I think that that's the most important thing, and it's what we found in our research with all of these companies. It's getting people comfortable um, with senior leaders that uh, are, are coming into the company to make sure that they align with the values. And one of the mantras that many of these companies use is hire slow and fire fast. So when you're bringing somebody in, you want to spend a lot of time with them, asking them for examples of how they've led in the past, asking them in, for example, in the case of barrel health, what does compassion mean to you and how do you live it out in your own life? Or if you've got a, a, a value of honesty and integrity as your number one value, like integrated project management, which is a project consulting firm here in Chicago. 
You know, you invite people in to talk about honesty and integrity and what does that look like. Um, and you do that with multiple people in the organization so that they can understand, uh, you know, if the person is a good fit. And that's why it takes time. That's why you hire slow. Then when it comes to firing fast, if you see people violating the values or operating outside of those values, you need to move in an appropriate way, of course, but very quickly to get them out, out of the organization. Otherwise, they can become really um, a toxin in the organization, in the organizational yeah. culture. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, there are two things I've found. It's so interesting because it's very hard to get a job uh, at GE. They hire slow um, and they hire for the long term. Um, they'll interview you a lot. They want you to feel comfortable with them, or at least that's been my experience at working there and hiring people into GE. And generally, there's a good, strong cultural fit. Um, interesting when I juxtaposed that with Hewlett Packard, their uh, mantra was they wanted to get people in the door quickly. Fill jobs, fill jobs, fill jobs. And we lost a lot of people because of a cultural mismatch uh, within the organization because we didn't spend enough time uh, really screening for that. So there was huge disappointment at the end of like six months or a year in people's expectations of the company and the company's expectations of them. So I I think that's wonderful, wonderful advice. what do you think for people that are potential employees, you know, checking out the values? Um, you know, I, I do think that uh, it's important for the employee as they're going about um, getting to know the company to do the same thing, and that is to talk to people through at every level of the organization and to essentially interview them around how those values are lived out. Um, and I think another really important question to ask is, how are your values rewarded, supported, and integrated into the processes and systems of the organization? Because it's very easy, as you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, to have a set of values on the wall, but they don't mean anything at the end of the day. But if you can go into a company and you can ask people, okay, show me in your performance appraisal process where the values come in. Share with me examples of people who have been uh, promoted in this organization or given opportunities because they um, deliver performance in a values-driven way Um, and ask those kinds of questions. Then I think you're in good shape because if you can um, get if you can demonstrate or if the people in the organization can demonstrate to you how the values are built into all of those different levels of systems and processes in the organization, then they're, um, you know, walking the walk. Yeah. Then you know that they really mean it and they can articulate Mm -hmm. it. You know, those are fabulous questions. And if, and if any leaders are listening to this show, I would write those down and I would be asking those questions uh, in the interview process. And if you can't get, Clear answers may not be the right place for you. So I think that's really great. So so you said before um, you got to unpack the DNA of the values. What do you mean by that, Jim? That's a, such a great statement. I love that. Well, what I mean by that is, you know, all of the different ways in which the values are integrated into the life of the organization. So I mentioned a couple already. The CEO needs to see him or herself as chief culture officer or chief values officer. 
the company needs to develop clarity around their values. So they have to have a clear set of values, preferably generated in collaboration with employees at every level. And then they have to talk about what does that mean behaviorally? How do we live those out? And that has to be a process over time that gets documented. The values do need to be made visual. You know, they do need to be up on the wall. They need to be on the website. They need to be in your meeting room so that you can refer to them when you're making decisions in your meeting rooms. Are we making decisions congruent with our values? You know, they need to be communicated across the organization. It's almost like a marketing campaign around values. You have to create materials to communicate those values, materials that are compelling uh, to folks. There has to be storytelling from senior leaders around when they have seen those values at work. Um, you need to build the values into all of your people practices, your HR practices, things like I mentioned earlier, hiring and firing, uh, promotions, performance appraisals, and so on. You also need to integrate your values into strategy creation. So when you're talking about where do we want to go as a company, what do we want to be, what contribution do we want to make, what new products do we want to develop, what new services do we want to um, uh, develop, we need, you need to continuously bounce that up against your values and say, um, is this direction congruent with our values, and will this direction help support the values that we have in organiza- as an organization? And then also the same is true with your relationship with customers. You need to build those values into those relationships. Uh, The companies that we have studied, uh, the values-driven companies, give examples all the time of customers they have fired because those customers don't share their same values. A great story from integrated project management. Interesting. uh, project the uh, project management consulting firm I was talking about, they yeah. had a non compete or a clause in their contract with all of their customers that uh, stipulated that the client could not hire their employees, integrated project management's employees. Well, yeah. one of their clients violated That's that. That's and a pretty common. Yeah, go ahead. Go very ahead. common. But one of the one of the. Uh, companies they were working with violated that and did hire one of their employees. And so the CEO of this company, Integrated Project Management, Rich Panico, went to the person and said, look, you violated the agreement and, um, you know, that's not okay. Um, and um, the fellow said, well, uh, sorry, but we're going we're gonna to keep the guy, but we'll pay you uh, X amount of dollars um, to ha- take that person. And Rich said, okay, we'll take your money but we don't want it in the company. And he gave that money to the employees to donate uh, to charitable organizations of their choice because he didn't want that money in the company. And that's just one example of sort of firing a client uh, because they're not values congruent with what you want to do. Um, And then also it has the added uh, piece of then leveraging that money or using that money to uh, support their values through their charitable giving. Wow, that's a very interesting story. I love that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me, when you, when you talk about um, the relationship between uh, the correlation with business success, tell me a little bit more about that because that's you know that's that's really where it's all been before. You know, you go to talk to a CEO and they'll say, well, you know, how is this going to help my top and bottom line? And, and um, it's almost like people that really get it know it does. 
But sometimes you have to prove to the world that, yes, there is a financial uh, gain to all of this, to doing it right and doing it with value. So how do you, how do you build that in? The, the evidence is pretty strong already. I'm sure you're familiar with the book Firms of Endearment by Raj Sisodia and his co-authors. Right. And, you know, they study companies that are called purpose-driven companies, you know, those with a strong sense of purpose and core values, a commitment to customers, team members, suppliers, and communities, and so on. And they show that those firms outperform the S&P 500 by 14 times and the good to great companies by six times over a period of 15 years from 1998 to 2013. The same is true in all of the work that the Great Places to Work Institute and Fortune Magazine have done. They show that, you know, companies high in trust, pride, camaraderie, fulfillment among team members significantly outperform the market. And then also uh, the Ethisphere uh, organization has done the same thing, showing that the world's most ethical companies outperform uh, their industry peers by about 7.3% uh, over time. And so there is evidence there, although understanding exactly why that is, there's much more research that needs to be done. But yeah. I think that there are a few, a few key factors. Number one is credibility and trust. When you've got a values-driven company, it builds the credibility and trust of the company. And when you've got that credibility and trust in the marketplace, people want to work with you. I think number two, it creates committed and engaged uh, employees or team members. People want to work for a firm that's a values-driven firm where they're treated with respect, with care, compassion, where there's a high bar of excellence, where there's a lot of camaraderie and teamwork. Those are the kinds of companies people want to work for. I think number three is high-quality customers. And I just talked about that a little bit. If you fire your, the customers that are non-value aligned or non-value congruent and work with those who are other values-driven companies, that creates an upward spiral uh, of momentum in terms of performance in the marketplace. And then I think the fourth factor that's key is resilience and uh, innovation. You know, there's a lot of research out there, particularly from Kim Cameron at the University of Michigan, showing that, you know, companies that are values-driven um, and have those into their day-to-day practices um, uh, are much more resilient in bad times like layoffs or economic downturns and are much more innovative, both in those um, uh, times of negative uh, economy and in times of, of uh, you know, abundance and flourishing. So I think That's those great, factors Jim. are key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I think they're. I think you're. You're spot on. You're right on the money. You know, you mentioned the good to great and and um, firms of endearment and and some of that. And you know, you can go back and read good to great. And some of those companies that were in there, you know, are not good. Are not great anymore. Are you? Are there any examples of that uh, in the? firms of endearment or some of the other citations that you've led? Because I've seen a lot of companies that were number two, three, four, five on great places to work, and they've now, you know, moved moved out of that arena. What, what do you think happens? Yeah, well, you know, I think that that's a really good question, Linda, and I think that that is one of the primary advantages of being a values-driven company is sustainability over time. Now, I, I don't I don't want to get into the specific examples from good to great or firms of endearment because I just don't know enough about them. But, you know, it, yeah. one of the things we find is if you really want to just have a, you know, a explosive growth but don't care about the long term, you don't need a values-driven culture. 
You just need to, you know, generate revenue. But if you want to last over time, over 10 years, over 30 years, over 40 years, over 50 years, then things like honesty and integrity, care, uh, a people-centered culture, forgiveness, excellence, collaboration, fairness and equity, those kinds of things really matter because those are the kinds of communities people want to be a part of and those are the kinds of companies others want to do business with. And so I do think it's the long-term sustainability, sustainable growth over time that is most benefited by being a values-driven company. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the companies that do fall off the list over time, what happens is they lost their way. But mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that in the next segment. Stay with us. We're talking to Jim Ludema. Uh, we're going to continue this conversation after break. We're going to talk about some interesting companies. Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Are you looking to get noticed in today's business world? Listen for Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school. This is the show that will help you survive and thrive in business today. It's what you can do differently that will help you stand apart from everybody else in the field. Lisa Chickles and her guests can show you just how to gain that unique edge. Chat with Chickles can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag #ILeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now back to I Lead the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm t- talking with. Dr. Jim Ludema, and we're having a great conversation about the impact of values in organizations and how values really do support sustainable growth over a long period of time. But the truth of the matter is, if you're really just interested in uh, economic growth and you don't care whether you have a company that sustains itself and builds community relations, you know, this may not be for you. 
I, however, think and actually know and have experienced that working in organizations that really live their values is a heck of a lot more fun. And generally, they're a lot more innovative. So let's talk about a couple of companies that, you know, Jim, I'm sure you're familiar with what was going on in Volkswagen. Um, You know, it's kind of an iconic brand. You know, when I was growing up, boy, you had a Volkswagen and it was kind of cool. And, um, you know, it, it always just seemed like such a, you know, clean company. And then they get caught with this emissions thing. What what do you think was going on for them? You know, that seems to me like one of those examples where you try to get away with something small and then it grows and it grows and it grows. And it's like ethical creep. Um, and I don't know mm. the details and the ins and outs of what happened at Volkswagen, so I'm I'm really not qualified to um, make a judgment there. But from everything I've read, that's what seemed to be happening there. And there must have been a culture in the organization where it did not encourage or um, support, you know, people uh, calling others out on that kind of behavior. It was uh, it was silenced. Because, um, you know, obviously it grew and uh, there were many people at senior levels of the organization that knew exactly what was going on. But at a certain point, there was no turning back. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting because often, you know, these are not bad people. They get caught in what you're saying in that ethical creep. It starts... It doesn't get called in the very beginning, like you said earlier, for the uh, uh, integrated systems company. Uh, it, you know, and then all of a sudden you're there, you're on this treadmill, and it just keeps growing and growing, and it gets to the point where you just can't turn back from it. And then ultimately mm-hmm. you get caught. Now they're being fined an incredible amount of money, and it's probably going to cost them tremendous amount of money uh, relative to their brand in the marketplace, I, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. And typically, that's what you see. It does catch up to companies. It, a lot of times, it takes a long time to catch up to companies. And a lot of people um, uh, make a lot of money uh, during that time. Um, there's no question about it. But the impact that that has, you know, not only in terms of the fines now that Volkswagen is going to have to pay, which is a direct financial impact on that organization, but their loss of reputation in the marketplace for that company is going to be extreme. And it also begins to erode our trust in business. It begins to erode our, um, you know, the connection between business and society and the long-term impact of that. uh, It can be very, very uh, detrimental to society as a whole. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I I uh, totally agree with that. Uh, it's it's so interesting because I think that it hadn't been for the internet and the transparency that some of this is able to sh- light that is able to be shown on what's really going on because of our ability to communicate and get data and get information so quickly. You know, companies have really got to have to think about that. You know, they could get away with stuff 20 years ago that they're just simply not going to be able to get away with now. Politicians, the same. General Motors is a great example, don't you think? I think that's a great example, and you're absolutely right about the new level of transparency that we have because of the Internet and other things. And that's a game changer. 
a total game changer. Mm-hmm. Another thing I don't know if you're familiar with, but a great resource around this is the Giving Voice to Values Project out of Babson that's run by Mary Gentilly there. And it's an entire curriculum around helping people speak up for their values in their organization. Because Mary's premise is that most people know what's right and what's wrong. And as you said, most people are good people, but they're working in a system where they're asked to keep silent or pressured to keep silent or, you know, they don't want to lose their job, the they culture you know, and, want to get the promotion, right. etc. And so they don't know, they don't have skills, they don't have scripts, they don't have uh, good tools for knowing how to voice their concerns around values and how to promote positive values uh, in a context like that. And this entire curriculum that Mary has developed called Giving Voice to Values provides just that. And it's, it's, uh, it's taken off like crazy at uh, um, business schools and also in companies because of its real power to help empower people to uh, stand up for their values. It's a great resource. Yeah, it is. And, but, and, you know, it goes back to sort of that kind of whistleblower thing. So somebody does it, and then what does the company do about it? If they fire them, you could bet your bottom dollar that no one else is going to stand up, right? Absolutely. What's what's Mary's last name again? I'm, I was not familiar with her work. Could you say it again? Her last name is Jen Tilly. G-E-N-T-I-L-E. Oh, okay. Mary Jen Tilly. I'll have to look that up. That sounds fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me, Jim, you know, you mentioned before um, that CEO was becoming a chief culture officer. I, I see that creeping into the lexicon of business now a fair amount. I've mm-hmm. run into somebody who said, oh, well, you know, now I get to be the chief culture officer. Generally, the people that I have seen, with the exception of the CEO that you were speaking to, I, I heard him speak. I, I just was enthralled. Um, they're tending to be HR people. What do you think of that? You know, obviously, the HR function is crucial and central to building a values-driven organization and a values-driven culture. You know, one of the key things is building all of that into your people or HR practices. But I do think that um, chief culture officers, to the extent possible, need to be uh, senior leaders, preferably the CEO, who sees him or herself in that role so that it is driven strategically, it's driven operationally, it's driven uh, financially through every aspect of the business. And typically, HR functions alone, um, you know, cannot carry that load. Yeah, and you know, I I also think, I do see, to your point, I, I totally agree that HR is probably the one function in the organization, HROD people, of course, I think, OD sort of supersedes everything relative to HR, but, um, and I wonder why I think that, <laughs> coming from Benedictine, but um, I think that they have an important role as being coaches and holding up the mirror, but it's really got, it's really got to be the leaders who are the keepers of the culture, not mm-hmm. HR people. Absolutely. So when you think about your curriculum at Benedictine, how, what, what do you do at the Ph.D. level for folks to, to bring values-driven leadership alive? Our curriculum, it, it helps 
leaders become stronger values-driven leaders at four levels. At the individual level of leading themselves, at the interpersonal level of leading others and leading teams, at the organizational level of building a values-driven organizational culture, and then at the global or strategic level of um, helping them develop skills to be able to think about how through business they impact society. And so we've got a curriculum that's built around those four levels, the individual, the interpersonal and team, the organizational and the societal levels. And and we've got um, a bunch of courses in there at the individual level uh, around understanding your own leadership impact and your own leadership legacy and what you want that to be. Um, You know, at the interpersonal and team level, we've got courses on leading and developing others and leading high-performing teams from a values-driven perspective. At the organizational level, we've got courses on uh, strategic leadership, on, uh, you know, leading organizational change, um, organizational theory and behavior, um, all, again, from a values-driven perspective. And then at the societal level, we've got um, courses around leading in the global economy and understanding the global economy and how to lead from a values-driven perspective there. And then also courses on uh, corporate sustainability and social responsibility and how to make that a strategic, uh, a core strategic part of um, you know, your organization and what it does in the world. So that's what we do in our doctoral program. And in the doctoral program, it's all scholar practitioners. And it's all people, most of them in their 40s and 50s who have been, are senior leaders in companies. In fact, it's designed specifically for senior executives in business. Um, and it's mm-hmm. helping these folks um, develop those skills to lead, you know, to think deeper and lead stronger and also to, um, you know, connect their practice to the best theory and empirical research out there around how to build a values-driven company, how to be a values-driven leader, and how to link that to business success. Have you seen, you know, it's the, the PhD program hasn't been around that long, but have you, have you seen any evidence uh, that they've been able to take this back into their companies and make some differences? Did you have any stories about that? as a result of graduating from this program? Yeah, we've got all kinds of stories like that. I mean, one of our um, uh, current students who's uh, just finishing up her uh, dissertation is uh, 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 the chief responsibility and diversity officer at KPMG and just recently was named as the chair of the board for the Girl Scouts of America. And so the impact that she's having globally, both in terms of uh, KPMG and its work and uh, also through the Girl Scouts organization uh, is incredible. Um, another great example is a guy who came into the program. His name is Lee DeRemer, and he was a colonel in the U.S. Air Force um, and a, a professor at the Naval War College. Um, teaching ethics and leadership. And in the program, he decided to do his dissertation on midlife transition and how to make a great midlife transition so you can make a contribution, a big contribution in the second half of your career slash life. Uh, well, Lee just recently started up a new organization called Life Cycles, where he works with a bunch of other folks to mentor, develop, um, uh, underprivileged youth in, um, in the city to, uh, 
um, you know, d- d- develop financial skills, uh, uh, life skills, um, uh, clarify their own values and where they want to go with their careers, get them on the right track in terms of education. And all of this is done through these mentoring relationships and bicycling. So they'll take these kids on, uh, you know, build them up and take them on long bicycle trips where, you know, they enjoy nature, they enjoy each other, and they develop all of these life skills. And the organization is called Life Cycles, and it's taken off like a rocket. And so, you know, you get... Wow, um, I love that. It's great, isn't it? So you get all kinds of different... Yeah. One other other guy, John Heiser, you know, he... Um, he's now the president and COO, there's still a CEO of the company he works in, Magnetrol International here outside of Chicago. They make leveling devices for big industrial applications like, you know, oil, oil uh, refinery tanks and breweries, you know, where they have all of the beer in those big tanks, but leveling devices of all sorts. And, um, you know, he's uh, completely working at transforming the culture of that organization, um, you know, into to a positive, people-centered uh, culture. It was already an organization that was very strong in that direction, but you know, now that John has moved into the president role, he's taking it to the next level. So you know, the kinds of people that come into the program and come out of the program are working in a variety of different ways, you know, like Kathy Hannon, the chair of the board for uh, Girl Scouts of America and Lee DeRemer and starting his own organization called Life Cycles and, you know, John Heiser just transforming the culture in his own organization, Magnetrol. So it's a variety of different ways that they impact the world and business. Wow. I'd love to have them on a panel on the show, Jim. We should talk about that. Try and get that arranged. That would be great. Oh yeah, and great. And those are just a few examples. We'd love to do it. Ah, oh, what what great stories you you you're, you're sharing. It's exciting. You know, it's really exciting. I just uh, marvel at what you've been able to help others accomplish. That's just really wonderful. We're at break. Stay with us. We're talking to Dr. Jim Ludema. Uh, Jim, there's a question that's come in uh, via email after break, and um, we're talking about values and leadership. Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in government, the legal arena, and the business world impacts your business every day. And we're going to take you on a behind-the-scenes tour of it all. Each week, we'll bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers and leaders. Squire Patton Boggs will be your guide as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. 
Join us for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Channel each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host, and I have Dr. James Ludema from the Benedictine University Center for Values Driven Leadership. Jim, uh, just a great conversation, and, and um, a, a question come, came in from the from the email. And the question is: If you had one tip or piece of advice for a leader to become more values driven, what would that be? My one bit of advice would be to know your own core values and clarify those values, know what they are, and then go out into the world and live those values to the fullest. And there are going to be times when it feels like those values are not honored in a particular job or in a particular context, or it'll feel like there are times when you want to let go of some of those values. But have courage, have persistence, have resilience, and continue forward. Because if you live from a values-driven perspective, if you know what your values are and you live from that perspective, life will be rich, will be um, uh, abundant, and you will flourish because you're operating from your strengths. You're operating from that source that gives you energy, excitement, creativity, and power. Whew, wonderful answer, Jim. Thank you so much for being an early guest on my show in 2016. I just so appreciate you taking the time, and I loved the discussion. And we will talk again. Maybe we can have some of your students who have graduated on the show uh, in a panel, and I would love to do that where they can talk about their experiences. People want to get a hold of you, Jim. How can they do that? The Our website is www.cvdl.org. My phone number is 630-829-6229. And my email is jludema at ben, that's B-E-N, dot E-D-U. Well, thanks, Jim. And uh, again, you've just helped kick off uh, the beginning of a great year with a wonderful discussion. And this is the perfect time for people to sit down and really reflect on your values. Refresh them. Think about your life last year. How well would others have said that you lived your values? Would people know what your values really are by how you behave? And use this as a time to put a stake in the ground for this coming year. Make it a values-driven year. My next guest next week is Lee M.J. Elias. And he's written a wonderful book, Think Like a Fan. He lives in London. He's a coach to a hockey team um, and has really used social media to help 
an organization really determine what are its core differentiators and how do you move from being customer-focused to really fan-focused? And by that, by that he means how do you get fans, how do you get customers to be fans? Because fans are loyal participants in everything that you do. So it will prove to be a great discussion. Thanks for being with me. You could contact me at uh, Linda at lindasharkey.com. Um, I'll be giving a lot of keynote speeches this year on a number of these topics and look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 